my wife's pretty gifted with a few things, and I don't even think she's made her way back in here because she's probably talking to someone outside about something. But now I, I say she's gifted with stuff. That sounds general, right? Like she's gifted, she's gifted with a lot of things. And there's a bright side and a dark side to this specific gift that she has. The bright side is she's good at organizing things and pulling pieces together. Like if we're setting up a room or she's putting an outfit together or she's setting up a shelf, I've always been amazed at how she can take whatever's there and make it just make it work. The dark side of this is that I'm inhibited from putting any clutter on our shelf in the kitchen. That's the dark side of that. So there's a bright side and dark side of that. And she's really gifted with that stuff. And I was thinking about this, this kind of gift of pulling pieces together. And I thought, well, you know, there's this, there's this person um, on, I think it's on the Home Network or something. Uh, her name is Joanna Gaines. You ever hear who she is? She does like the fixer-up shows and her and her husband do that stuff. And so she's like, you know, probably the kind of person that, uh, you know, she's, she's an interior designer. And I was, as I was thinking about this morning's talk and thinking about what we're going to be getting to, what she does with her husband is pretty phenomenal because she brings, after her husband and a team, and she's involved with that, kind of like fixes up a house, she brings all these pieces together. She finds it in a workshop, a farmyard, a, you know, a secondhand store, home sense, wherever she finds these things. And she brings all these pieces together that fit into this dominating theme of the reno. Last week, I gave an illustration around how there's often a dominating theme in a room that, that all the pieces come together. Well, great designers like her have this unique gift. They have this ability to pull pieces together and pull them into a room for function and for beauty. Isn't it? When you sit back and you see that, you're like, that's so amazing. And they, they, they work with furniture and color and accessories and storage and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to have access to a person that could design the inner parts of our lives to work well, wouldn't it, who would hire that person? Just say like, I, wouldn't it be amazing to have a person to do that, to fashion us from the inside out and to reflect God's vision for us? Because that would be the goal, right? I mean, maybe you want to be dressed to the nines and you need someone to help you with that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who can really kind of pull the pieces of our life together in purpose and how we handle money, how we treat people, how we perceive reality, how we walk through life. And this, I mean... Does this person exist? Think about it. Does a person like that exist? But here's a, here's a better question for you. If this person exists, would you listen to them? If this person exists, would you listen to them? Would you actually say, yes, help me? And I ask that question because we're in this series called The Well, and we're talking about the last few weeks, especially at the beginning of a new year, what it means to live out of a deeper source um, and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about silence and solitude and how, what it means to make space for God in our lives. Last week, we, we talked about the scriptures, how the scripture is a, is a deeper well. God's words given to us for life and godliness and salvation and eternity and so much. And today, I want to introduce another part of this well because it has a unique function. Silence and solitude helps us disengage the scriptures help us engage so we can discover what God longs for us in our lives. This part of the well that I want to talk about today helps us design or actually becomes a designer that connects the dots together. And what I'm speaking about is actually the Holy Spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit, partly in some ways, he, his function is much bigger than this, but his function also includes this. And the Old Testament prophets prophesied about the Holy Spirit coming. Jesus promised it. God provided him. 
It's part of the Godhead, the Trinity, and yet we talk about it, talk about the Holy Spirit in this way. And here's this one verse I want to start off with and then jump into some other scripture. It's 1 John 4.13, how the early Christians viewed the gift of the Spirit to them. This is what, what John says. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's speaking about how they know that they live in Christ and Christ lives in them. This is how we know this, because he has given us his Spirit. We know that we live in him, and we know that he lives in us because God has given us his very own spirit. This is God's gift to us, Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet we speak of the Spirit in this way because the scriptures, the words of Jesus, the words of the prophet, even the words here, helps us understand that God has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like this interior designer that we need. The, 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 uh, the early Christians depended on the Spirit to pull these pieces together as they were, as they were some of them the initially Jews that were coming out of Judaism and then non-Jews that had no connection to the Old Testament but were learning about God's story, then understanding who Jesus was, being confronted with the life that they were in and under the Roman Empire and then other parts of the world. The early Christ followers depended on the Holy Spirit to pull these pieces of God's words and God's wisdom and God's God's intention and God's purpose into their daily lives. The Holy Spirit would, con- would bring conviction towards truth, conviction towards maybe areas that, that were, they were going off in their lives and according to God's story and God's purposes. The Holy Spirit reminded them of truth, provided them with courage, gave them wisdom, connecting all these pieces together like an interior designer so they could live into this purpose. The Holy Spirit is God's very spirit. Like John tells us in the passage we read, God has given us his spirit. He sent us his spirit individually and as a body because we together as a church body, we have been given God's very own spirit to equip us, to empower us for life, for faith, for mission. And so I want to I look at the Holy Spirit in, with a different metaphor today and kind of the metaphor, yes, of an interior designer like we talked about, but also the metaphor of a well as a deeper source that we actually live out of. Part of this larger wall that we've been building the last couple of weeks, silence and solitude, scripture, and, uh, and now today the spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God's very own spirit available to us, but he's equally a deeper source in that sense. Someone we can draw from if we look at it that way. Like silence and scripture, now we see him, we can dwell in him, he dwells in us, like we, with the scriptures, in a sense, we dwell in the scriptures and then we draw from the scriptures. The work of the Holy Spirit in some ways is similar, but it's very personal. So I want to I paint the picture because um, what I want to do today is, is something of like I asked you to do last week. As we go into this new year and you set up practices for your life, practicing silence, practicing scripture, we're going to read some scripture today. We're not gonna, I'm not going to highly unpack it but we're actually going to read it and pretend like we're together in our living room, we're reading the scriptures, and we're going to pull out a couple of words or phrases like we're doing a Bible study together. So we're going to start with with just two passages, Romans 8 and Galatians 5. And and what I'd like to do is I want to read through them and and highlight there's so much in these passages. If, If we had four weeks, we could pull out the four different themes. But today we're just going to pull out 
the general idea that we get of how the Spirit works in us, okay? So we're going to read it together and notice the language, the descriptions, the understanding of the Spirit. And before we do, we're going to pray because we've been saying the last few weeks this practice of silence and solitude, coming before the Scriptures, inviting God to speak to us, make room for His voice. We're going to stop. We're going to pray. We're going to say, Lord, as we read your words, um, we, we want to hear from you. So let, let's pray. Father, as we open up the scriptures, as we read how you inspired in these particular texts Paul to write to these two churches in Rome and Galatia in the first century, God, we, we posture ourselves before you because we long to hear from you. We long to make room for your voice. We long to do that every day, but even today as a gathering together, as we come together, God, we, we also posture ourselves and we want to make room for your voice. So help us to see and hear and discern. And even as we're doing this, we pray that your spirit would work in a sense like an interior designer connecting the dots, showing us these pieces. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read through this. I'm going to read it through it slowly and pause a couple of times and a couple of things will be highlighted. So let's do it. Here we go. Romans 8, verse 1. Yes. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the, the what? The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So part of the Spirit's role, amazing, is to set us free from the law of sin and death because of what Jesus did on the cross. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This just briefly tells us that the Torah, the law, was fulfilled. The Spirit fulfills its, the, the law's purpose and now enables us to live according to God's purposes. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If there's any motivation to let the Spirit be an interior designer in our life, right there, that the minds governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor does it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, that's a wild promise. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you live by the spirit, you put death 
to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we're going to move on to Galatians 5 really, really quickly. But did you notice the language? I mean, there's so much in this text about so many things, but did you notice the language of the, of the Spirit, the descriptions of the Spirit, that we, we walk according to the Spirit, live according to the Spirit, that we're in the Spirit, that by the Spirit um, we overcome the sin and death? that the Spirit bears witness to our very own Spirit, that because God's Spirit lives in us as we come to Christ, His Spirit bears witness with our Spirit. It means that we, we um, have a sense of affirmation, a confirmation, a sense that God is with us, that He's walking with us. And this is all part of the role of the Spirit. And here's Paul, Paul says some similar things in Galatians 5, and we're just going to read a couple of verses again. So, hey, home, living room, Bible study, you got your Bibles open, we're reading Galatians 5. Let's see what words jump out at us this way, okay? Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, I, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And did you see some of the descriptions now? Through the Spirit, live by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, or guided by the Spirit. When you read something like this, I don't know what comes to mind for you, but it seems like there's a qualitatively different kind of life available to those who know Jesus and God's Spirit lives in them and they live in the Spirit. There's a, it seems like there's a qualitatively different, like a different kind of category of life for those who have God's Spirit in them, dwelling in them, and then respond to God's Spirit in them by being led by and living according to and guided by. And that's why I want to see this passage or these, these passages or the description of the Spirit in this broad sense, like this deeper source, part of this well God calls us to live out of. Because like we said a couple of weeks ago, so many of us grasp at straws how to decide and, 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 and are dreaming and living and deciding and relationships and, and how we walk in faith when there's this, this deep source to live out of. It's not out of nothing. It's out of something. We make room for God's voice in our lives through silence and solitude. We engage God's words through scripture and then we allow 
the Holy Spirit to begin designing our lives through all these pieces. The early Christians, Paul explains, discovered that in Jesus, God gave them his spirit, his spirit to live out of, right? Live according to the spirit or walk according to the spirit. And I love, I love verse 9, and I'm going to use a different version. The NRSV uh, says it this way. And, and verse 9 describes it like this. You are in the spirit. This is Romans 8 verse 9. Since the spirit dwells in you. It's like this interplay. You're, you're in the spirit since the spirit of God dwells in you. The NIV says it just differently, kind of like because the spirit of God dwells in you, you also live in the spirit. So there's this interplay going on. God's activity that he dwells in us, his very own spirit dwells in us. That's God's activity. Our activity living in the spirit is our response to him, our response to what he's doing in us, our response to him getting our attention, our response to him reminding us of scripture as we, we dwell in it. And so there's this interplay going on. God, we, God dwells in us by his spirit and we respond because we live in the spirit. And so this, this is describing the reality that is for each person who comes to know Jesus. This becomes the reality, the new life, the new uh, empowerment and equipping, this new reality, this source for life that is ours in Jesus. God's spirit dwells in us and we dwell in God's spirit. I mean, there's not enough words to describe exactly what that looks like, but it's this promise we have for us. Isn't that amazing? This promise we have for us. Now, this reality that's so true has to be cultivated. So I think about the reality at first, but I think about, I kind of said it this way, and I'm changing up the lines that I used last week. So I want to say this line, the source that dwells in you, we're talking about the Holy Spirit now, is the source that you draw from. The source that dwells in you becomes the source you draw on. Last week, talking about the scripture, we said the source you dwell on because you dwell on scripture is the source you draw on. But there's something unique about the Holy Spirit. God's spirit actually dwells in us. So the source that dwells in you becomes the source you draw on, this well that we have to reach for and live with. But the, the thing is, is that that interplay, right, of God's spirit dwelling in us and us dwelling in the spirit, it must be cultivated, so look at all the words Paul uses. Live in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. By the Spirit, um, God is working in your life. And so we have all these words that help us lean into the Spirit for life so we can cultivate this reality. It's no point to us if it's true and we can't live into it. Right? It's no point to us if it's available for us and we can't experience it. And so we have this cultivation language that Paul gives us. It's our response, our responsibility to cultivate that, that dependence. And how do we do that? We do that through obviously listening to the Spirit's voice as we take time with Scripture and reflect and pray, discerning the Spirit's voice, responding. And the Spirit even uses the tools and the practices we talked about the last couple of weeks. When we carve out time for silence and solitude, to disengage, and when we engage in Scripture, and then we move to allowing the Spirit to work, the Spirit uses those other pieces and collaborates with our silence and solitude and our time in Scripture, and then the Spirit's work in us. Silence and Scripture are tools for the Spirit to collaborate with. 
And that's why it's so vital for these practices we're talking about, that we, we pause daily or multiple times a day or, or significant times in our week and month where we are silent, where we spend time with Scripture. And now we're adding today how we, let, how we listen to the Spirit's voice in all of this. It's so, so important. If we could have done this today. In fact, we're kind of doing this. It's a practice. We read the Scriptures. Didn't we read the Scriptures today? We read two passages, Romans 8, Galatians 5. We didn't pause for the, our silence, but we read through it, and now we're saying, Lord, what do, you have, what do you have for us today in this? If you were doing this on your own or with a few people, you might pause and say, okay, let's just dwell on this a little bit. What's, you know, what's, how's the Lord speaking to you in this? There's the, the interpretation side that's so vital, but then there's this side where we want to listen for the Spirit's voice in leading us, in guiding us, in helping us understand. And when we read something like Galatians 5 or Romans 8, there's no doubt in my mind God's calling us to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, to draw from the Spirit. And you know what the Spirit will do? He'll use other circumstances in our lives. Sometimes we'll be reading a text of Scripture and God convicts us of something and then a circumstance happens within a week or so and we're, we're reminded of what we read and we're like, oh God, are you using this interaction with my coworker to work with the scripture I read on Tuesday morning? Are you, like, are you doing this? Am I supposed to respond in this way? Were you, did you prepare me for this day when I read this on Tuesday and now on Thursday this is happening? That's how the Holy Spirit works. And we begin to learn to discern his voice and his activity in our lives. And then we begin to respond. And here's the beautiful thing. There's the outcome. Paul uses the word fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. It's like this tree, right? We said last week that's planted inside soil that gets nurtured and grows and feeds. And all of a sudden, that tree bears fruits. Well, so do we. If we live by the Spirit and live in the Spirit because the Spirit lives in us, if that's true, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to show proof, evidence of this life. And so dwelling in the Spirit and the Spirit dwelling in us, we end up seeing fruit produced. And Paul gives us that initial list. But we, it's bigger than that. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's, it's uh, you know, all these pieces there, kindness. But then it's bigger than that. It's how God's shaping our character and how God's shaping our relationships and how God shapes how we interact with people. But I love what Romans 8, 6 says, that in the Spirit we have life and peace. That's an outcome. When we dwell in the Spirit, when our minds are governed by God's Holy Spirit, we discover a life that is full of life and full of peace. That's one of the outcomes. It happens as we cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then it comes to this moment of direction as well, moments where he will lead us and guide us and, and help us, maybe prevent us from walking down a wrong path. And so I, as I think about that, your life and my life begins to look like we're drawing from the Spirit. That's, that's a question we should ask ourselves in, in our own prayer times. Is my life... And I need to ask myself this question. Is my life reflecting the fact that God's very own spirit dwells in me? Is my, does my life reflect that I'm dwelling in the spirit? That I'm drawing from the spirit? Does your life reflect that? You can't argue with fruit. You can't argue with outcomes as they come around. What is the spirit doing in you? And so here's where I kind of bring this piece together. And I was thinking about how do we see how God's at work here? And I love this image of the interior designer. 
How, what does it mean to draw from this wall? Well, what does it mean to work with an interior designer? They pull all these pieces together to make something beautiful. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. As we allow him to, as he dwells in us and we dwell in him, we allow him to be that interior designer, pulling these pieces, God's word, God's wisdom, circumstances in our lives, areas where, where, where we need his attention. And all of a sudden, the, the Holy Spirit, like an interior designer, pulls all these pieces together to create something so beautiful in our lives doesn't mean it's always perfect. It doesn't mean that there's never obstacles. It doesn't mean that, that, like even the life of Paul, Paul gets stopped by going into one place and told to go to another place because the Spirit is leading his life. And, but we see the outcome. And I think about Paul's life. Think about Paul's life. He, he grew up in a Jewish context. He knew the law and the prophets. He has this, he hates Christians, wants to kill them, has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, begins to, be, begins to follow Jesus, meets the early apostles, and now feels this call on his life to, to like share this message with the Jews and then the world. And if you read the life of Paul, who was the designer of his life, the Holy Spirit. Paul could not have thought up everything that would have happened, but the Holy Spirit pulled his understanding of the Old Testament, his time growing up uh, in, his, in his education and other experiences. He even used the horrible decisions he made um, you know, in terms of what he did with, with Christians to show him like just... This is not the way to live. Jesus meets him. He meets the apostles, the circumstances, the times when, when the Spirit leads him one way or leads him another way, the time when the Spirit puts him in a prison cell and he starts to say, well, hey, I got a prison guard. Let me share the message of the kingdom of God with him. The Holy Spirit was this interior designer of Paul's life, bringing all these pieces together. All these pieces together. And then... This, this, this life is created as Paul listens and discerns in the interplay of God's spirit in him and him dwelling in the spirit and him responding. And as I was thinking about the last few weeks, silence, scripture, now the Holy Spirit, I came back to the story I shared last week about my dad and how my dad, in a moment of, of um, sickness and illness, the, the scriptures he dwelt on, he was able to pull from, draw from in those times. But my dad had this really cool illustration that he used to tell me about how God's spirit worked with the scriptures. He said, I kind of imagine this library of things I've read in the scriptures. And then it's like the Holy Spirit kind of reminds me, like, go get that book. Go get that book. And, and, and so I was thinking about this, this uh, um, musical CD he created after his sickness with scriptures and psalms and music in the background that, of, of really words of the scripture that, that just walked with him. And I thought... Who guided him to those? It's the work of the Spirit that was the reminder, the designer, this scripture, this passage, this experience, and bringing it together to that, this inventory. And so when we cultivate a life where we slow down and disengage through solitude and silence, where we engage scripture, and then when we start listening to the Spirit, all of a sudden the Spirit works with all of that and pulls all these pieces together for your good and my good for your movement and growth and my growth. So, so, so vital. So here's the practice I want to give you this week because we're adding. So two weeks ago was five minutes of what? Silence. Five minutes of solitude and silence. Last week was 10 minutes of scripture. So it was five plus 10. And, and this week we're going to add five minutes to the end of that. Now you can, you can double those numbers. You can go 10, 20, 10. 
you can spend an hour in each of them. That's your choice. But what, I'm, what I want to help us, at least at the very basic level, how can we be spending 20, 30 minutes a day allowing God to completely influence our lives? Five minutes of silence, 10 minutes of scripture, and five minutes allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal, speak, prompt, convict from what we've just done. As we disengage in solitude and silence and say, God, there's so much noise in my life, I need to disengage from the clutter of my life. And you're making room for God's voice. You're spending time in Scripture. You're listening to God's voice as you read the Scripture. And as you're reading Scripture, then what do you do? Sometimes you just close the Bible. Close off our phone if you're reading off the phone. That's it. Okay, let's get to something. But instead, we add time at the end and we say, okay, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're trying to get my attention about this morning? What is it in this? What you, where are you leading me today? What are you warning me about today? What do you want to convict me about today? And as we disengage and then engage with Scripture and then let the Holy Spirit be the designer of all this, all of a sudden, we're building the kind of, uh, of posture and practices of living out of a deeper well and not just out of something shallow. We're living out of the deeper well of silence, the deeper well of Scripture, the deeper well of God's very own Spirit. And God's Spirit orchestrates and puts all that together for your life and my life, and that develops our lives. That becomes the foundational piece of how we're living out of a deeper source. And we so, so, so need that because there's so much in God's story that God wants to reveal to us that we read it and immerse ourselves in it and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen that. And there's so much outside of God's story that's in our story that we need to fit the pieces together. And it's almost like we, we just need that, that constant uh, presence of God's voice in our lives. And as I was, I thought about this, this image I had, I was in Barcelona, and I don't know if anybody has ever visited the, Sag, the, the Sagrada Familia. Anybody ever visit that church? Anybody, a few people? It's crazy. It's just incredibly, like, it's not even finished yet. It's almost 100 years old. And uh, Gaudi, the guy who, who, who envisioned this, put it together. The, the cool thing about this church, and I'm going to get to why this makes sense to what I'm talking about this morning, is the front entrance is all about the nativity scene and the creation story. Every little piece, every, every little piece of decor. The back of the church is, is, the, um, is basically the passion story of Christ, walking to the cross, the crucifixion, the death of Christ. And as you walk into the church, I just want to show some pieces as you walk into the church. Uh, this is like just the detail of one of the doors describing creation um, with various images of creation. And, you know, if you get really, really close, you'll see a really cool beetle in one of the leaves and all this kind of stuff. Then you walk into the, into the church building, and, and each piece, like light, uh, you know, the, the different colors, the different pieces. Uh, and then just go to the next, the next one. This is looking up into the ceiling. And I don't know if this is exactly where it is, but there's four columns that reflect each gospel. And that those four columns uh, basically are the strength holding up the structure of the church. And I thought, it's really interesting how all these pieces go together, but I can't just figure all that out. So when you get in there and you, read, and you buy your ticket, they give you a phone piece. And that you stick this thing to your ear and you start, you start following every section. So you're in section one. So they're like, stand back 30 feet and look to your right. And you're like, and then they start describing. I'm like, 
oh my God, oh wow, that's really cool, I see that. And then, then get closer, and then as you get to the door, look here, and then go to section two, and then are you standing inside the four columns with the Gospels? Yes, look up. And so all of a sudden, this little earpiece, this little thing, as I'm walking through it, it's just, it's opening up my eyes to the discovery of like every little inch of this building is crazy. Ricardo's an architect, he's probably like, uh, thinking about that. And it, it's amazing. And then also the symbolism of the gospel story. And I thought, that's kind of what I long for in my life as I, as I dwell in the Holy, on the Holy Spirit. As I think about the work of the Spirit in my life, that's what I long for. I want the Holy Spirit to help me discover every corner of God's story. Every inch of God's story. Every every piece of God's story, every part of the gospel story and the whole story and the climax of Jesus, I long for the Holy Spirit to be that voice in my, in my life that helps me see all that because I can't see it on my own. Jesus promises that he will lead us into truth. And I long for the Holy Spirit also, outside, not outside of God's story, but how do I connect God's story to my story? Because I need his direction. I need his discernment. I need his wisdom. I need his promptings. I need his convictions. I need his warnings. If I'm going to connect God's story and my story, and my story is going to start reflecting God's story, I need help. And that's the, the interior designing of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what we need. But it won't happen unless we recognize that it's a reality and start to cultivate it and then trust God for the outcomes. Amen. I'm going to ask Matt to come as we, we lead into communion this morning and take some time just to be present um, with Christ and let God's very own spirit work in us uh, today. And, and as we do that, we're going to just take some time and, and really just practice this because even as we take communion, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Even as we come and take these elements, the bread and the wine, and trusting that God's very presence wants to work in us. Um, it's all part of what God wants to do. You know that Paul uses the word, the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit often interchangeably because he sees the Trinity at work all over the place. And when we, when we consider that, even though sometimes we separate things in the Christian life, oh, we just talked about the Holy Spirit, now in communion we're talking about Jesus. Okay, let's not talk about both of them at the same time. But the Spirit's at work. And as we come to these elements and recognize the body and blood of Jesus, we want to we just make space right now in these next few moments to let God's Holy Spirit work in us deeply. I know, you know, theologically, we pray in the name of Jesus. We come to our Father in heaven. And often I catch myself praying to the Holy Spirit. It's part of the Trinity. It's a real person. And so I'm going to pray that way today, maybe to give us a sense of freedom or language around that. Um, because we long to lean in to the Spirit's work in our lives. He ties the pieces together. And you know what's beautiful? He'll, um, if you ever forget about Jesus, but you lean on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be reminding you about Jesus all the time. Because <laughs> He leads us to truth and He leads us to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray that we can be people who experience the work of the cross and the resurrection. 
that the same power that is at, was at work in Christ to raise him from the dead. We've been told it's the same power that's at work in us, but oddly, God, sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes we don't experience it. And maybe we look for the wrong things in terms of the experience, but we want to know the truth of it in our everyday lives. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you will help us recognize and affirm and know so deeply this reality that you dwell in us and that we dwell in you. That, that, that we can know so deeply that Jesus abides in us and we abide in him because you have been given to us within the decision of the Godhead. And we say thank you. And God, help us, empower us, give us wisdom to cultivate what it means to draw from you because you dwell in us. And help us to trust you with the outcomes, but also at times convict us, God. Help us to look around and look in the mirror and hear the voice of our friends and colleagues and family members and church community should there be any ways in us that just does not reflect the work of your spirit in us help us to be open to that god so as we go out today god may we be open to both the affirmations your affirmations holy spirit and your convictions your re- your 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 just the renewal of our minds and also the rebuke when needed god we pray this we pray this because we long for it We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.